Um, tonight we're really gonna we're really gonna dive into the nine gifts of the Spirit. I'm gonna give kind of an overview. Um, as I've been telling you uh, pretty much this whole time that uh, we're really uh, you know gonna be tedious with it. We're gonna break it down. We're gonna take our time with this. Um, I've had a lot of discussions. It seems like just because I've been preaching this that I've been having a lot of discussions, even with people outside of the church, um, outside of this church specifically, um, in regards to the Holy Spirit, in regards to manifestations and operations in the church. And, um, you know, when, when you look around, uh, I, I tend to um, look at other ministries and see what's going on, try to get the, the atmosphere for other churches and what people are preaching, what, what's being done in other churches. Not that I'm trying to copy anything, not that I'm trying to do what other people are doing, but um, you, you just want to get the spiritual atmosphere for what's happening. Uh, not only in Valdosta, but uh, in our nation, um, around the world, um, and those type of things. And typically what I'm starting to see is more of a digression, more of a falling away from exactly what we're talking about. And so, as a pastor, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wrestling, kind of, you know, having to, to find out what God's Spirit is on the whole thing for, for the church. Um, are, have we been talking about it too much? Why are we not talking about it as much? Why are we digressing from it? Why are we falling away from it? And, um, you know, there, there's a thing about church that you you tend to fight with a little bit on the natural versus the spiritual. Um, Because in church, uh, yes, we want it to be comfortable for people. Yes, we want um, people to feel welcome, no matter what their background, no matter what you came out of, no matter what you've done. Um, And this is not a church uh, that I want people to walk in and feel that they can't be a part of because of what how they've lived yesterday. Um, None of us wants that. Uh, none of you are here because you felt excluded and you just kind of forced your way into the thing. You are here most likely because you felt welcomed, because you feel that this church uh, is not only going to meet you spiritually, but meet you physically and meet you naturally. And um, so there's that fine line. And so when we get to talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, a lot of churches are starting to find that that's just uncomfortable for people. Uh, that's just not something people want to focus on a lot, not something that people want to talk about so much. Um, and we have to look at why. We have to look at why. And so that's what I've been doing for this church specifically. Why? Why is it weird? Why is it weird to talk about the Holy Spirit? Why, why is it weird? Uh, why, why can't I talk about God and I can talk about Jesus, but then we hit the third person of the Trinity who is supposed to be right in line with the other two, and now we've got a weirdness. There's a sense of, of kookiness, or there's just a complete lack of knowledge or a complete ignorance to the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, as I'm processing these messages and as I'm going through this, I'm trying to find, find that line. And what, I, my, what my goal has been, and I hope that I've been able to do this since we've gotten into the topic, uh, what my goal has been is to make the Holy Spirit real to you. To make Him real 
um, the church does a great job of making God real to people. And you can't see God. Anyone here seen God? Nobody here seen God. Okay? You can't see God. Jesus. Most of us have not seen Jesus. There are some people that have seen Jesus because he has shown himself to them, Paul being one. Paul was riding a horse to a city to tear up some people and got knocked off of it and had an had a intervention by Jesus himself. But most of us haven't seen Jesus. But most of us have no problem believing in Jesus and believing in what he did. We've accepted that because of faith. And so what, I'm, what my goal is and what my, my, uh, my hope is coming out of this is that the same faith you use to believe in God, the same faith you use to believe in Jesus, the same faith you use to get into the kingdom, is the same faith I want you to use to believe in the Holy Spirit and everything that helps you live out the kingdom. Because Jesus gets us in the kingdom. Jesus is the doorway. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life. He said, I am the door into the kingdom. But the Holy Spirit is the one that helps you live everything out inside the kingdom. And the whole reason we're going through this session, and and this is where I start to lose people. This is where you start to, to lose people because everyone wants to walk away from here tonight, go back out that door, get in your car, go back home, and start your day of work tomorrow, knowing that what I got in church is going to help me. And this is where we start to lose people because now we're starting to talk about gifts of faith and working of miracles and healing and tongues and interpretation of tongues. And this is where people start asking the question, well, what does that have to do with me? I, I drive a forklift. Uh, I spray trees. Uh, I go to school and study. Uh, I deliver flowers. Okay, I go to school. <laughs> Part of that. And so... That's the question everyone has is, what do these? And so since the church has had such a hard time relating to people's everyday life and making it real and showing you that the Holy Spirit is just as real as God, just as real as Jesus, if I can do that, then it'll help you walk out of here knowing I just spent an hour bettering my life and getting something that can help me tomorrow morning when I'm taking care of my son or I'm going to the mall or I'm shopping at Walmart. And so that's my goal. So as we get into the nine gifts of the Spirit, don't check out on me. Don't say, well, you know, that other stuff was good, but this is just for pastors or this is just for fivefold ministry, or this is just for those that really feel called to do God's work. I mean, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, or I'm just a farmer, or I'm just a student at school. Because the gifts of the Spirit have just as much to do inside the church as they do outside the church. And so that's been my goal, and I hope that I've been able to relay that since Thanksgiving about the time we started talking about this, around December. And like I said, I know that we've spent time there, but you have to understand my heart. You have to understand why I feel so strongly uh, to minister this, because this is where people start getting off, is the Holy Spirit. It's easy with God. It's, it's easy with Jesus. But it's like I've been saying from the beginning, God is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. 
And the Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit lives with us day by day. If there's anyone that we should be talking a lot about in the church, it's the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want it to be weird. I don't want it to be kooky. That's why we've gotten rid of making it an emotion or a feeling or a presence or a power, a sensation. I went and I experienced the Holy Spirit. You should be able to experience the Holy Spirit in church, but you should be able to experience the Holy Spirit in Walmart. You should be able to experience the Holy Spirit in your bed before you go to bed. So that's why we're taking this time. And, um, you know, each week I'll continue to reiterate that and continue to look at that. I want us to start with John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 12. Again, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to get into it. Last week we spoke about tongues. I want to give a little disclaimer. Um, I am not giving, I'm not preaching any of this. Um, assuming that you already know what I'm saying. I'm very cautious to, in, in that. I'm very cautious uh, when I minister, when I study, when I prepare a message. I don't want to prepare it in a way to where only people who have heard it before know what I'm talking about. And so I pray that uh, I have been doing that. But if there's questions, and I can almost promise you, you will have questions. Do not hesitate to ask questions. I had a teacher at Rama that said, the second you stop asking questions is the second you think you know everything. So I, even myself, am always in a position to uh, ask questions. I want to know. And that's how you learn, is by asking questions. So things that you have, we are approachable. And we want you to ask questions. We want you to come talk to us. And I'm only going to point you here. I've got stories and I've got backgrounds, I've got history, I've got things that I've experienced in my own life, I've got stories that other people have told that I believe are ordained of God, anointed by God, but when it comes down to it, the only thing that's going to stand is the Word. So if I'm going to have a conversation with you, we're going to talk about the Word. I'm not going to give you my opinion, I'm not going to give you my personal experience, um, I'm not going to, uh, we're not going to base it on that. We're going to go to the Word. And um, so if you have questions about tongues, if you have questions about who can be filled with tongues, is if, if I don't receive tongues, am I, go, am I going to hell? What is tongues? Uh, what is the Holy Spirit? If I don't receive the Holy Spirit, does that mean I don't go to heaven? People have questions, and we're here to answer those questions. I'm not here to preach this, and then if you don't get what I say, then too bad. So we're, we're here to answer every question you've got. So, and, and I can't know the questions that you've got until you ask them. I try to cover as much as I can, um, but we can always go further. Amen. John chapter 14, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And to paraphrase what he's saying here, he's telling his disciples, the work that I was sent to do, the work that the Father has brought me here to do, I am commissioning you to do, and I'm expecting you to carry on what I've been doing. Let me pull this up real quick for you in the, the Message Bible. I love the way it relates it. 
Listen, listen to this in the message. It says, the person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Now, that one will blow your mind. If you look at Jesus' ministry and look what he did, and he's telling his disciples, you're going to do greater things than I. Because I, on my way to the Father, Jesus knew I'm not sticking around here long. I'm here for three years and I'm taking off. Because on my way to the Father, I am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. Why did Jesus have 12 disciples that stuck with him? Why did Jesus have 70 others that he commissioned at different points to, to follow after him and to be his disciples and followers? Why? Jesus' ministry fails. If he doesn't carry, if he doesn't have someone to carry on his work. We think about Jesus coming and dying on the cross and coming back to life. And when you reduce Jesus' ministry to just that moment, just those three days that we celebrate once a year for Easter, then we miss the whole point. Because what Jesus did in his ministry is he brought the kingdom to earth. Jesus brought heaven to earth. And so, Jesus is saying, the reason I'm going to the cross, the reason I'm taking stripes on my back, the reason I'm being beat, the reason I'm being accused of these things, the reason that I'm dying, and the reason that I'm rising again, is so you can do the same work that I've been doing when I was on the earth. And so for three years, he has 12 disciples following him. And he's showing them what heaven looks like. And he's showing them how to bring heaven to the earth. Example, he's in a boat. Storm is raging. He's sleeping. No anxiety, no worry. He's at complete calm and peace. Did you know you could be calm in the middle of the storm? A lot of us just want to get the storm to stop. But Jesus was just calm and peaceful through the storm. He knew it can't take my life. It can't affect me in a negative way because it's not my time. But... His disciples are going crazy. Jesus, Jesus, we're about to die in this storm. And he wakes up and he does what? Peace, be still. What did he just do in that moment? He brought heaven to earth. He just showed you what Genesis 1.26 was all about. He just said, remember in Genesis 1.26 when my father created the earth? And put Adam and Eve in the garden and gave them dominion and authority and, I, and told them to subdue the earth. That's what I just did. Demons came to him. People with demons came to him. And they're trembling and falling down. A lot of Christians today, if we got confronted with a demon or somebody demon possessed, we'd be trembling and falling down. <laughs> But Jesus knew an authority that he had, 
and knew, I'm here to bring heaven to earth. Dead people raised. Lame people walking. Blind people seeing. Deaf people hearing. Heaven to earth. Why are we talking about this? Because the nine gifts of the Spirit have everything to do with your ministry in the earth. That's why we have gifts of the Spirit. That's why we have a Holy Spirit. You've heard me say it many times. Jesus did not do what he did in the earth because he was the Son of God. He did it because the Holy Spirit came upon his life. Now, if Jesus, the Son of God, had to have the Holy Spirit on his life to do what he did, how much more we? How much more us, born of flesh? He was born of spirit. How much more us who are born of flesh? And Jesus had a will just like anybody else. Look in the Bible, he'll tell you. Not my will, your will. I don't seek my own will, which means he could have sought his own will. But he chose to do God's work because he knew, I'm here to bring heaven to earth. I'm here to introduce people to the kingdom that was lost. I'm here to restore the kingdom that was lost in the Garden of Eden. So what am I doing? I'm, I'm bringing these gifts to the Spirit. I'm making them real. I'm, I'm, bringing them, I'm, I'm bringing it home to you. Because this is our mission. Now, when Jesus said, you will do greater works... What in the world did he mean by greater works? What could be greater than raising the dead? What could be greater than casting out a demon and restoring someone's life? What could be greater than prophesying to a woman who's been searching and searching and searching and, and bring it home that she's been going to the wrong well the whole time and she needs living water? What, what could be more greater than that? What could be more real? When Jesus said greater, he meant two things. One, when I'm doing my ministry on the earth, I'm the only one doing the ministry. Jesus was the only one walking around casting out demons. Jesus was the only one walking around raising the dead. He meant greater because he said, it is better for me that I leave so the Holy Spirit can come and live in you. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, 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 then that's much better than just one person doing it. Now we've got seven more, ten more, a million more, ten million more. That's what he meant by greater. It's greater in quantity, not quality. Greater... In numbers, not greater in significance. Because Jesus raising a dead person and you raising a dead person is just as significant. And the church has abandoned believing this stuff. The church has abandoned preaching, you can raise the dead. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You can speak a word over your child and see sickness come off of their body. We've abandoned this stuff. Because is that really real? And I'll tell you why, they're, why it's been abandoned. is because they're not seeing it happening. Because they're not doing what Jesus did. The sacrifices Jesus made to do the ministry and the works he did. 
Most of us are not making those sacrifices. Now I preach it to myself. I'm not. This is for everybody. I lately I have not stayed up all night in prayer on the side of a mountain and then woke up the next morning and went to my work and healed everybody. Jesus did these things. The greatest thing he had was a relationship with his father. But besides that, he had the Holy Spirit living upon him. And he knew if I had to have the Holy Spirit on my life to do what I did, you need the Holy Spirit on your life. So if it means that I have to leave the earth and go back to my father so you can have the Holy Spirit, then I'm all about it. It's better for me to go to heaven then. It's better for me to leave the earth. He's, 12, he's telling this to 12 disciples that have loved hanging around with him, that have become a best friend, that have been a disciple and a follower for three years with this guy, slept, ate, drank, lived with him, traveled with him. And he's telling them, it's better for me to go because the Holy Spirit can come live in you. So what we're getting ready to press into with these nine gifts I'm going to teach them. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to get you to understand exactly what a word of wisdom is, what a word of knowledge is. But hone it back in, rein it back into this is necessary for my ministry in the earth. I'm not just hearing something that Pastor Mark is doing. I'm not just hearing something that Pastor so and so is doing. I'm not just hearing something that Evangelist so and so is doing. This is your daily ministry. This is given to the body. And so that's why we're getting into what we're discussing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The nine gifts of the Spirit. And verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit... Real quick, that word manifestation, that means something physically seen, visible. You can either hear it, see it, or touch it. This is a manifestation. This is the Spirit coming into the natural realm. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Each one does not say to the fivefold ministers that I mentioned over at the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 4. Doesn't say to those that the Holy Spirit picks and chooses. To each one. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings. By the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. Those are your nine gifts of the Spirit. Now I know, a lot of us, we may have heard that before. This may be the first time you're hearing it and you're thinking... What in the world? We're going to go through them. Verse 11. 
But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. He is capitalized, meaning the Holy Spirit, meaning God. God distributes these gifts, these nine gifts. Now, when he distributes a gift, he does not say, Chuck, you have the uh, word, you have the gift of word of wisdom. For the rest of your life, that is the gift that you operate in. We're talking about at a specific moment. So today, Chuck may operate in a word of wisdom. Next week, he may operate in a prophecy. Okay, we're talking about at different moments. And when it says to each one or distributes to one, we also know in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that not everybody's going to operate in the same gift, which means we're not all going to walk into church one day and everybody's going to have a word of knowledge. No, one will have a word of knowledge. One may have a prophecy. One may have a tongue and another may have the interpretation. Okay? So not everybody's going to come in here with a tongue. Not everyone's going to come in here with an interpretation of a tongue. Not everyone's going to walk up in here and say, hey, I feel like I have the gift of faith today. It's distributed as he wills and to each one individually. Okay? Now, here's how we need to break down these nine gifts. We can break them down into three different categories. Three different categories. The first category I want to look at is what we call the vocal gifts. The vocal gifts. And those contain prophecy, diverse tongues or different kind of tongues. I'm going to give you quick definitions of each, and then what we're going to do is over the next week, over the next week's, We'll break down and we'll talk about each of these at a time. First one is prophecy. The second one we have is different tongues or diverse tongues is the way the Bible reads it. And the last one we have is the interpretation of tongues. Okay? Now let me give you brief definitions of each of these. Prophecy. Prophecy is simply a divine disclosure on the behalf of the Spirit, a divine disclosure, on the behalf of the Spirit, an edifying revelation. Remember, all these gifts are for edification. An edifying revelation, a revelation by the Spirit of God that will edify, that will encourage, that will build somebody up by the Spirit. You're going to notice in all these nine gifts they will take you beyond your natural capacity and natural abilities. All of them. None of these can be confused with, well, that's just you. That's why they're gifts of the Spirit. Okay, They're all going to take you beyond your natural capacity to do whatever that gift is. A prophecy, no one can just walk in here and give a prophecy. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us to judge the prophecy. Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it bear witness with your spirit? Does it come to pass? I mean, how many of you have heard that Jesus was coming back this year? Last year? year before that? 1992? 1987? We're still here. So somebody missed it. 
Somebody got it wrong, okay? Divine revelation, edifying revelation. Tongues. We talked about tongues last week, and we talked about the private use of tongues. That is the primary use of tongues. We talked about tongues in your own prayer language. We talked about tongues is you worshiping and praising God. We talked about tongues uh, being the initial sight or initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is not this. This is a gift of tongues. The easiest way for me to put this, and I think I gave this description last week, but tongues in the private form is you talking to God. I think I did give this last week. I had people draw God and man with the arrows. Tongues in the private form in your own daily life is you talking to God. The gift of tongues is God talking to you to give to the body. It can be used privately. It can be God speaking to me in a tongue, and I know that I need the interpretation because there's no edification unless I understand it. Or it can be a tongue that I receive to give to the body, and that needs to be interpreted as well because now we need need edification. You don't understand anything I said. So those are the two different kinds. This one, when we're talking about the gift of tongues, this is the public form. We saw the private. This is the public form. And when I say public, it means that it is something that is distributed distributed beyond you. Okay? And then the last one, by the way, tongues here. This is speaking, this is a supernatural ability to to speak in a language unknown to the individual. Okay? Now, most of the time, it's going to be in an unknown tongue. Paul calls it the tongues of angels, a heavenly language. But there are cases, as we saw in Acts chapter 2, where you may have the ability to speak in a tongue that is in another language. It just means unknown language to you. I don't know Spanish, so if I just started rattling off something in Spanish, that's supernatural. That's not natural. I do not have the natural capacity or ability to speak in Spanish and carry on a conversation. Okay? You do, Derek? He's, he's in Spanish class. I know how that goes, man. You just find someone that's really good at it, and you get them to help you with your sentences. That's all. There you go. Yep. And see, I, I can understand things in here, here and there. My mom is Spanish, and so I grew up hearing stuff all my life. In fact, when I was in St. Augustine a couple weeks ago, Pastor Pedro was in town from Nicaragua, and he came up to me, and he's, you know, he knows he needs a translator. It's almost like he's messing with you, man. He's like, just starts talking to you, and I'm like, and then he always ends it with, Gloria a Dios. And I know that means glory to God. So I just repeat them. Glory to Dios. I have no idea what you just said. You could have said, your hair looks ugly today. You need to change your pants. Uh, he could say whatever he wants. I don't know. I just laugh and, ha <laughs> ha, glory to Dios. Glory to God. My hair is ugly today. Thank you. I appreciate that. He's a funny guy. And we're going to use that example because when we get into tongues and interpretation of tongues, 
We're going to find out when we need the interpretation and when we don't need the interpretation. Um, So that's what diverse tongues is. Interpretation of tongues is exactly what it is. A supernatural ability to give the interpretation of a tongue that was just given. Okay? Supernatural. There's no way you naturally were able to understand what was just said. Now, if someone were to give a tongue in Spanish, and there happens to be someone who understands Spanish in the service, I've been in this service before, where the pastor, knowing no Spanish, started speaking in what he thought was tongues. And he was saying something in Spanish, and a lady in the back spoke Spanish and came up and gave the interpretation. That's not the gift of interpretation of tongues because she was naturally able to give the interpretation of that. Okay? Uh, In Acts chapter 2, you got uh, a room full of 120 people that were just filled with the Spirit, and they start praising and magnifying God in tongues. And down on the street, you got people from all different kinds of countries, and they understand it. Those people on the street were not operating in interpretation of tongues. They just heard something in their own native language, okay? That was not the gift of interpretation. That was just, they knew. It was a gift of tongues because you got a bunch of Galileans speaking in other countries, but then you got the other people in the countries, they're not operating in an interpretation gift. They just happen to understand it, okay? So those are your three. The way I like to break them up is uh, these, these nine gifts is you got... You got three that say something, three that do something, and three that reveal something. These are the three that say something. Okay? The three that do something. I call them, we call them the power gifts. These are the power gifts. Okay? There's three of them. The first one is a gift of faith. Gift of faith. Gift of faith is simply a unique form of faith that that goes beyond your natural ability to believe something. That's why it is a gift of faith. I had someone uh, tell me once that we all have a gift of faith because we all have faith. The Bible says that we all have a measure of faith. In fact, you had faith before you got saved because the Bible says that it was by faith through grace that you are saved. So we all have a measure of faith. Faith is just simply to the ability to believe in something that you can't see. Right now you have faith that there's a God because we've never seen God. But a gift of faith is the ability to believe for something that seems impossible. Joshua being told by God that if he walks around the, the city of Jericho, that the walls will fall, that's a gift of faith. That's an ability to believe in God, something that just goes against all natural. That's different than just believing there's a God, or that's different than, uh, you know, uh, how many of you have faith tomorrow that you still have a job? I mean, how many of you have faith if you stood up that when you sat back down you would land in a chair? I mean, that's all simple faith that you can almost go through life just on a regular daily basis and not give a second thought about it. But a gift of faith is a supernatural faith. Supernatural ability. There is no way. I'm not even qualified for this job, yet I still have faith to believe God that I can have this job. 
There is no way I can pay off these credit cards. But yet I have faith in God that he will help me pay them off. There is no way. That's a gift of faith. Okay? The second that we have is gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. And again, you go back to Mark 16. And Jesus said that all believers would be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So this is not excluding people and saying only certain people can heal. This is just a specific move for gifts of healings. Now notice this is the only one that's plural. Gifts of healings. Basically Paul is just stating there just as many disorders there are, there are healings for all those. Okay? But there will be moments where there will be a gift of healing come upon somebody. My ministry is not built around healing. But there may be one service that I just feel God wants to move in healing. And I'll just call up anyone that's sick, anyone that's having ailments, anyone that's having problems. There's a gift of healing here this morning to pray for the sick. It's not that you couldn't ever do that, but there's just a specific instance for that at that moment. Okay? Uh, So that's a gift of healing. And the last one is working of miracles. Now, a lot of times we equate miracles with healings. Healings are miracles, but miracles don't stop at that. Because working of miracles is a supernatural power or ability to perform a task. Supernatural power or ability to perform a task. And, and that can be anything. It doesn't have to just be a healing. I mean, you, you know, you, it's almost like you hear of those people that have adrenaline rushes. And a kid's trapped under a car, and they just pick up a car, and it's beyond natural ability. I'm not saying that's a working of miracles, but that's the way to equate it. Is it, it, goes, it goes beyond healings, because some of us just need a, a miracle in our marriage. Some of us need a miracle with our kids. Some of us need a miracle in our job. Some of us need a miracle in our finances. Okay? And those are, those are workings of miracles. So those are the three power gifts. Those are the three that do something. And then the last three are the ones that reveal something. We call them the revelation gifts. The revelation gifts. And these three, the first one is a word of wisdom. And this is where we want to make sure we understand these properly. A word of wisdom is a spiritual utterance at a given moment through the Spirit. Spiritual utterance at a given moment. And here's what a word of wisdom does. Disclosing the mind, purpose, and way of God. Word of wisdom will disclose the the mind, the purpose, the will, the way of God for a specific situation that you're having. Like I said, we'll get into these, we'll break them down, we'll give you examples, we'll help you understand. But that would be basically like, you know, uh, if somebody here was having a financial crisis, 
And I got a word of wisdom for that person specifically dealing with that financial crisis and, and said, God said to do this, or God is saying to do this. That would be a word of wisdom. That would be God's will on how to get out of that for that specific situation. That would be a specific, I mean, it would hit home with you. And a lot of times these things come without the person who's giving, knowing even what's going on in the person's life. A word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, a lot of times those are given, and I'm not saying it has to be. I mean, I can know about your situation, and then God give me a word on how to get out of that situation. But a lot of times you'll find where you'll get a word of wisdom from someone, and they have no clue what you're going through. That is because it's supernatural. It once again goes beyond the natural ability to perform that. Okay? So that is a word of wisdom. Discloses God's will. Discloses God's mind and purpose for a specific situation. A word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of information. A supernatural revelation of information pertaining to a person or an event. Again, for a specific purpose. And it usually has to do with an immediate need. We were down at St. Augustine when there was an evangelist there, evangelist Mike Manuel. <clears throat> and um, after he preached, he, he would start to operate. He's an evangelist. Uh, evangelist, and we'll take time at some point also to go through the, the, uh, the ministry gifts. The pastor, the teacher, evangelist. Uh, when we understand the leaders, when we understand God's government system, then we can understand how we operate in according to that. Uh, but Mike Manuel, he's an evangelist. And evangelists typically have gifts that operate on a regular basis in their meetings. They'll travel, they'll minister the gospel, minister Jesus Christ, minister the kingdom, and then they'll have these gifts operate alongside them. That's biblical. And he got to a point after he was ministering where he was just walking around through the audience and he'd just get a word of knowledge. Doesn't know any of these guys from West Virginia, man. He doesn't know anybody in the building. Just walk around and would say, that heart issue is stopped up in the name of Jesus. Has no idea the man's battling heart problems. Has no idea the person is, is having stomach issues or hurt their ankle yesterday or whatever. And just getting words of knowledge for people. Supernaturally, the Holy Spirit was disclosing to him what was going on in people's specific situations, meeting an immediate need, and giving revelation on how to get out of it. It sounds a lot like word of wisdom, but they are different. And we'll, we'll break that down and we'll talk about them. Okay? And discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. Spirits is the supernatural ability to discern the spirit realm. Almost sounds like I defined it by giving the word, but it is a supernatural ability to discern the spirit realm. Why is this important? I've been telling you for several weeks now that the spirit realm is the source of everything. 
got to remember, the spirit realm is more real than what we see. Because what you see can change based upon the spirit realm. Okay, we've ministered that before. To discern a spirit means to determine something's true source. Something's true source. Uh, I believe, just personally, I don't have any biblical stance for this, but just personally, I believe this is one of the most important for believers, for a lot of people. If you could discern the true, if you could determine the true source of something, I mean that would save us a lot of heartache in a, a lot of areas. People that say they want to be our friends, doctors that we go see, uh, business propositions, taking a, a loan out for a house. Discerning of spirits. Because the spirit realm is the real, true source. That's what's behind it. And even though something in the natural might seem like it's for you and all about you, there's something that we might need to know about on the inside. And that's an ability and a gift that we have that unbelievers don't have. And they're walking into these things blindly on a daily basis. Walking into friendships and walking into business propositions and walking into homes. Walking into just daily dealings. And they don't have the inside scoop. That's basically what discerning of spirits is. Gives you the inside scoop. Is this really of God? Because yes, there's evil and there's good. And I don't know about you, but I want to know if it's evil or good. I want to know if the people really have intentions that are, at, you know, for the best interest of my heart. Or are they just out for their own? I want to know if I go to a doctor, do they have their own agenda? Or do they have my agenda? Because I've sat down with some doctors that have their own agenda. And you just got to fight a lot of heartache. There's a lot of pressure there. They want you to give in to what they want you to do. When you know, no, this is my course. I'd like to be able to discern what spirit are you really of. See, Jesus had to do that. Jesus had to do that with Peter. Peter... Jesus just got done telling his disciples that he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He's getting ready to die on a cross. And then in three days, he's going to rise again. And what does Peter do? Peter gets up in his face and says, Lord, may it not happen. Let it not happen. Now, on the outside, that just looks like someone's just looking out for you and just caring for you and saying, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to go. But that would have been harmful to Jesus. Because we already know Jesus was battling. Look, if there's any way for this thing to pass from me, let it pass. And how many of us have been in that situation where we get stroked and patted on the back by someone 
when they're actually keeping us from fulfilling our purpose instead of fulfilling our purpose. And Jesus would not have fulfilled his purpose if he went with Peter and said, Peter, you know, you're right. Let's sit this thing out. Let's wait. Maybe there's another way. Maybe we can find something else. Let's see what happens. Man, that would have been dangerous. But Jesus, being able to discern the spirit that Peter was up, and he turned around and he told him. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He went ahead and let him know. He discerned, look, you're not about my interest. You're not about my intentions. You're all about yourself. You don't want me to go because we're buddies. We're pals. We're amigos. We've been hanging out. You're comfortable around me. You're scared of what's going to happen if I leave. And he discerned. And he said, you know what? Get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me. You don't have my father's interest at heart. You have your own interest. You have man's. That's what he told him. He said, your mind is not set on God. Your mind is set on the earth. Your mind is set on what you see. And thank God Jesus was able to discern between the two. So that's how discerning of spirits works. And like I said, we'll get into all of these. We'll, we'll be breaking them down one by one. Those that are simpler to explain, we'll probably couple them up and go through it. Those that need more explanation, I have no problem taking an entire service and just hitting one. Some of these will take a little more explaining, explaining, but then there's some of them that you have to have both. Tongues and interpretation of tongues, you can't do one without the other. If I stand up here right now and give a tongue, we better have an interpretation and operation taking place. Or else all you got was just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, and you're going to be looking at me, and you're going to say, this guy's crazy, just like Paul said you would. So we got to have both. Because some of these work hand-in-hand. Hand. Some of these work together. Okay? So that's where we're going to be going. So I, I gave that disclosure at the beginning because I, I don't want people to check out. I don't want people to say, well, you know, these next few weeks... I'll come back when he's talking about faith. I'll come back when he's talking about love. I'll come back when he's talking about prayer. And I promise I, I, I can preach about more than the Holy Spirit. But there's a reason why he's got us in this. How many of you have had questions? Just come up saying, man, I, I haven't heard that before. I want to hear more. Uh, I don't want to understand that. That's why we're doing it. That's why we're doing it. And And, and don't. I'm going to tell you right now, biggest lie of the devil, if you have questions, then it must not be for you or uh, somebody's off or somebody's violating Scripture. Well, that would just be stupid. That would be, that would be a, a, I mean, Paul said that the Bereans were the greatest of the people he ministered to because they searched it out. They went back and searched it out in the scriptures and they brought questions and they wanted to know more. And church should leave you that way, man. I mean, you should go to a church service and say, golly, I, I, I want to know more about that. And it, you know, pulling out the verses as you're taking notes and uh, pulling out the, the notes that you've been taking and, and just looking back over them. And, you know, I, there's probably not a book that I, that I read that I don't put questions in there somewhere. I'm always asking questions. 
Even if I think it's right, even if I think it's right on, I'm always asking questions because I want to know. I want to know what it's all about. And so that's why, that's why we're going through this because you need to know. Paul said it himself. He said, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. That means I don't want you to be lacking in knowledge. And whether it's been because we just didn't want to know or whether it's because no one told us before or whether it's because people spoke bad about it so we shied away from it, uh, we need to know. And so we're going to take the time to discuss these things. Um, and again, you know, you're asking, what does this have to do with me? What does it got to do with me on a daily basis? We are doing the works of ministry. We are doing the works Jesus sent us here to do. We're, doing, we're continuing the work that he was sent to do. And this is how we get it done. The Holy Spirit is how you get it done. And the gifts of the Spirit is the power that enables you to do it. Okay? So that's why we're talking about it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. Father, I thank you that you honor this time that we're spending to be in your word. We're not just trying to get spiritually fat. We're not just trying to load up our mind with all kinds of terminology and doctrine so we can walk out of here thinking that uh, we're more spiritual than we really are. But, Father, I thank you that we just truly desire to know your word. And know everything that you have for us. And we know that your Holy Spirit is important. So important that you said, I have to take my son back to heaven so I can give you the Holy Spirit. It's better for me to bring my son back here. So, Father, I thank you that as we continue to identify the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we continue to uh, place a value and importance on the Holy Spirit working in us, Father, I thank you that we will look at these gifts, not in a weird way, not in a, I don't want to know, I'm better off knowing, that's not for me way, but understanding these gifts so we can know how to operate in your kingdom on a daily basis, how we can discern spirits uh, in our job, how we can operate in a gift of healing in the middle of Walmart, how we can uh, have a word of wisdom for someone in our family that's going through a tough time. Father, I thank you that we desire these spiritual gifts, just as your word tells us to, so we can carry your kingdom everywhere we go. Father, I thank you for every person here that you honor their time that they're given. You honor uh, the fact that they're coming on a Wednesday evening when it's easy to stay home, to hear more of your word, to learn a truth, to be governed by, to live by. And Father, I thank you that you'll honor that in your life and that uh, the rest of their week, the rest of their time with their families, the rest, the rest of their time uh, when they're putting their hand to something productive, I, I thank you that it will be uh, purposeful and it will be uh, multiplied, Father. That even though they may just have a couple hours to spend with their children, that it will be multiplied and it will be greater because they've taken time this evening to, to study your word, to be in your word, and to place you first priority in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I believe that.